Hey, welcome everyone. So good to have you back wherever you're watching from. We're so glad that you're joining us again today. We're in a little bit of a series that I could call our run series where we're looking at the whole thought of the run that God has commissioned for each of us to run, but also for us to run as a people, his church. And we've set our hearts this year on running our best lap yet forgetting some of the laps that laid behind, not being held back by mistakes or even successes, but really coming into this year saying, yes, Lord, this is going to be my best lap yet, but also as a church, our best lap yet. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks at what it says in Hebrews 12 when it encourages us about how to run our best race now. We've looked at how we need to be on the track and also in the right lane that God would have us to be in. But God hasn't called you or me to run another person's race, but he's called us to run our own race and be in the track that he's marked out for us. Then we also looked at getting rid of stuff, baggage, sins that can so easily ensnare, and focusing on the pace setter, which is Jesus Christ. Today I want to look a little bit more at choosing the life of an athlete or the experience of an athlete over crowd experience or spectator experience. Both can be present at the same location or same place at the same time, can't they? Whether you think of the Wembley Stadium in London or Shea Stadium there in America, the reality is in one place at the same time, you have those who have set their heart to be athletes, runners, people competing. And you also have people who have set their hearts on being spectators, a crowd, watching what's going on, but not partaking. I really believe that God calls us to think like an athlete and not like a spectator. Both can be so present in a stadium or a sporting event, but both can also be so present in Christianity as we know it today. You see, the reality is, and these slides are going to help explain this in a simple way, every one of us accord to the moment where we first encounter him. That's like a crowd moment. That's the moment where we experience him for the first time. That could be in a meeting, that could be in a public service, or a, a moment where we're meeting him with others. But Jesus doesn't want us to remain in a crowd type experience with him. But he wants us and he calls us out from a crowd like experience to also having something that's more individual. We call that personal discipleship or being a disciple, not just a spectator. So like the slides show us, we all start in one degree or another as a crowd type person. But we need to understand that Jesus is calling us out of a crowd experience alone into having something that's more about intimacy with him. I call that being a disciple or a follower. So there's many examples that we can look at where we see Jesus ministering to crowds in the New Testament, in the Gospels. We see Jesus constantly speaking to crowds, blessing crowds, um, healing the sick, mending the broken. But we also see Jesus speaking to people who are in the crowd and calling them to come out and become a follower. Famous statements like, come and follow me and I will make you. Jesus in saying that was calling a person out of a crowd experience or a crowd encounter with him into walking with him in a way that his life would be or that their life would be defined or empowered in a more individual kind of way. 
Now, we see that many people responded to that. We think of the fishermen. We think of some of the disciples that, that left their nets, left their fishing boats, left everything they knew, and even left the crowd experience of knowing Jesus into being a follower, a learner, and a disciple. But there were also others who Jesus gave the challenge to, and they weren't ready to do that. They weren't ready to take that step from being crowd or spectator in their experience of Jesus to being more personal, being a follower and a learner. I think of the rich young ruler that we speak about in Mark 10. And it says in Mark 10, in verses 17 to 27, that he came to Jesus and he said, I want all that you're doing. I want to be in this. I want to be running with you, Jesus. And Jesus turns to him and said, that's not a problem, and puts his hand on that which was important to this young man. Remember, he was a rich, young ruler. Jesus said, give what you've got away to the poor, to the needy, and come ahead. Come on, out of the crowd experience and follow me. But then we see that the rich young ruler was sad because wealth had a grip on his life that meant he couldn't take this challenge or this invitation as seriously as he wanted to. And I believe the heart of Jesus was sad for this young man because he loved that the young man was living a blessed life. He was rich, he was young, he was a ruler. But Jesus knew that there was a better experience of life and of God that this young man could have if he left a spectator or a crowd type experience of Jesus and came into being a more of a personal discipleship based one. The Apostle Paul did the same, didn't he? We can read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, that he would say to people, come and follow me as I follow Christ. Paul wasn't calling people to follow him, but to follow him as he was in hot personal pursuit of Jesus himself. Now, I believe that every believer is called, though they may start with a kind of crowd experience of God and Christianity, to believing that and experiencing also a personal one where they're on the track for themselves they're in the track that God's given them to run they're committed to a personal journey pilgrimage race with the Lord they're not just watching other people race theirs now that doesn't mean that they're no longer crowd they still remain crowd they still remain a part of the church but they also now have this individual um, aspect or facet of their walk with God also now it's not a matter of either or it's a matter of both God wants you to be a part of the crowd in the context that you're a part of his church that you're a part of what he's doing in and through his church but also God wants each of us to experience something that's more personal, something that's built with personal devotion between us and him when there's no one else looking or listening. This fits so well with our emphasis this year, doesn't it? Remember, our emphasis is to run the race that God has marked out for us as a church and as individuals, that race being defined by being soul winners, people that are passionate about soul winning, but also being disciple makers, people that are passionate about being disciples, but also passionate about helping to disciple others also. 
Now, discipleship is an interesting word. What is a disciple? To me, a disciple is many things, but we could really simplify the word disciple by saying you're a committed learner or a dedicated follower of Jesus. Now, the word disciple implies the thought of discipline. A disciple is somebody that's stepped out of having a crowd experience with God alone. They still love their church. They're still a part of their church, committed to what their church is doing. But equally, in the moments where there's no church gathering, they retain a passion and personal commitment to disciple or discipline their life to be true to the ways that Jesus is asking them to live. Discipleship is when we pull away from just a crowd experience to be with Jesus in something more intimate and more personal. It can involve a number of things, three of those things that it involves being these. Number one, when we move from a crowd experience of just having a almost a relationship with God with others to having something that's ours with him alone, Number one, we decide that we're going to begin to let God into the chipboard or the grain of our life and not just have ownership over it. In my book, God's Blueprint for the Church, I do a section on discipleship. And in that section, in that chapter, I speak about how when we're born again, it's like we give God ownership of the worktop of who we are, the countertop of who we are. But in discipleship, it's when we allow God to be involved in the grain that's beneath the veneer of who we are. Now, in England, we often use something called chipboard, which would be like um, a wood um, grain uh, held together with resin if you're from America. And the great thing about chipboard is it can make your kitchen look like it's a wood kitchen or a slate kitchen. This countertop here is made of chipboard and it has a veneer that gives it the appearance of being wood. Now, it looks brilliant in your kitchen to have a countertop made of chipboard. The problem is if your washing machine floods, suddenly the wood grain that makes it what it is soaks up the water like Weetabix, the cereal soaks up the milk and it swells to 10 times its normal size. Now, why am I talking about worktops? Our lives are like worktops. When we become a Christian, we commit who we are to God. We say, God, you now own who I am. But you see, discipleship is when we begin to invite the Lord, we begin to invite the Holy Spirit to be involved in the grain or the chipboard of who we are, bringing the changes he needs to, to attitudes, habits, wrong ways of thinking, strongholds that may be in our life. When we pull away from just being in a crowd, singing songs and eating bits of scripture that we like and are our personal preferences, to having something that's more rugged where we say each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. God, step into my world. Change what you want to change. Empower me to be what you've called me to be. That looks more like what discipleship would be. Also, it's about taking more personal responsibility and ownership. 
for our walk with the Lord. So often when we're in a crowd experience or something that's more of a spectator experience, it's about what the pastor's going to do, how the pastor's going to lead us, how our church leaders are going to take responsibility for our walk with the Lord. But personal discipleship, it's different. It's when we say, no, Lord, I'm responsible for reading the word. I'm responsible for allowing you to speak into areas of my life, to rebuke me, to correct me, as well as encourage me. I love the words of Joshua in Joshua 24, verse 15, when he says this statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a statement of somebody who's a believer, somebody who says, yes, this is about me and him alone. I believe that disciples are people that say, Lord, independent of what others are doing, the way that others are going, as for me, I will serve you, Lord. And number three, I believe disciples are people that have a greater commitment to walking daily with the Lord and walking in his truth in a daily way. They're people that aren't just caught up in the emotional moments of meetings. Now, don't get me wrong, I love our services. I love when we gather. I love when we come together and we experience the made-known presence of God moving in our midst. I love those moments that can sometimes be touching the very emotion of who we are. Yet disciples don't live by those moments alone. Rather, they say, Lord, I have a commitment to be walking in your truth, learning your truth, applying your truth in my life when the crowd or the emotional moment isn't present. There's a wonderful example of this that I often use that we read about, excuse me, in Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And it's a picture of a lady in a crowd that's caught up in the moment of what the crowd is experiencing. Jesus had just been teaching on a subject. It was actually a subject regarding demonology. And he's been teaching this crowd of people. Then almost out of nowhere, this woman screams. And you can read about this in Luke 11, verse 27. She screams out at the top of her voice. Blessed are the breast that nursed you, the womb that bore you, Jesus. Now, in our culture today, in the 21st century, that seems quite um, inappropriate, um, not proper. But in this moment, this woman screams out in just being so excited by what's going on in this crowd moment. Blessed are you, Jesus. Blessed is the womb that bore you, the breast that nursed you, Jesus, in my imagination. I can see the crowd that's around her almost looking at her strange, parting, leaving her standing there in alone, alone, owning that statement, that declaration, while everyone around her was almost looking at her saying, why would you shout something like that? And we know that it caught the attention of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't rebuke her, but he does two very powerful things. Number one, he, acknowledge, uh, he acknowledges that she's blessed, But then he speaks of another way of being blessed, a stronger way, a more sustainable way. He says, blessed are you, but more blessed are those who know my word and walk in my truth. 
You see, we can all have moments, crowd-like moments, where what God is doing touches the soul of who we are and it causes us to shout out, Jesus, I praise you, that moment of being together. But Jesus then turns to us like the woman in the crowd and says, you are blessed in those moments. I'm glad you're enjoying that feeling of what I'm doing when you're in the crowd. But more blessed is the person that lives daily in the word, daily in the truth, applying the truth to their life, walking out what God is instructing them in their un, unglorious, um, unloud daily life where they're often alone with God. Now remember again that the commission that God's given us this year, go and make disciples, is a call for each of us to be busy helping others to be disciples, to walk in discipleship. But the reality is you can only really or genuinely help others to become what you're committing to be yourself. There's an old example I've used many times that said, you can preach measles, but if you've got mumps, everybody will catch mumps. Think about that. What we declare to others may be good and correct, but often what happens is we help others to become that which we've committed to be ourselves. Now, thinking in the light of that, let's all purpose in our heart this year as we set our heart on running and running our best lap yet, that we're not just going to help other people to become disciples. We're not just going to be disciple makers in the lives of others. Rather, we're going to be committed to being disciples ourselves. But number one, we're going to say, yes, Lord, you've called me to be a disciple maker. But Lord, you've also called me firstly to a commitment of walking with you, not just in a crowd experience, but in a more lonely, isolated, separated, individual walk with you also. It always starts, doesn't it, with a commitment for us to run the race of being a disciple, a life that's shaped by his word and his spirit, not just when we're together in meetings, but when we're alone in our bedrooms, in our living rooms, on our Mondays and on our Wednesdays. What displays if we're a disciple more than crowd? And again, when we looked at those analogies, those slides, very rarely is somebody just disciple or just crowd. We're all somewhere in the middle, aren't we? Moving, I hope, from a crowd-like experience to something that's more an experience of being a learner, a follower, and a disciple. Like I said before, it's not a matter of either or. I believe that God wants us to be fully committed to run in the race that our church is running, the congregation we're a part of, whether that's the physical congregation or the online congregation. Every one of us should be passionate about the run of our church or our local congregation, but also passionate about the run that we're taking personally with the Lord. You see, that makes for a healthy body, doesn't it? That 
a body being healthy and running is one thing, but the reality is a body being healthy and running successfully is the result or consequence of individual cells being healthy and running a passionate race also. Each and every one of us represent cells, individual cells, unique in our own right. But when we come together, we form what the Bible recognizes as the body of Christ. You see, we don't just want health in the body of who we are, but in the individual cells, that's you and me. When the individual cells, that's you and me, make a commitment to be more disciple than what we are crowd, to even if it's inch by inch, be moving away from a crowd experience to being a personal follower of Jesus, then that affects the health of the overall body, the church. Yes, it's a greater commitment, but also there's a greater reward. It may seem like being a disciple, being a follower, costs you a lot more. Maybe it feels like the commitment to be a disciple, a learner, and a follower of Jesus is a greater commitment than that of just attending church on Sunday or being involved every now and then with what the church is doing in our annual outreaches and annual events. Oh, there may be a greater commitment But the reality is that God is no man's debtor. Wherever you invest more, you will harvest more. Like it says in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 8, the person who sows to the flesh from the flesh will reap. But the person who sows to spiritual things will from spiritual things reap also a great harvest. Look at the lives of the disciples. These were men that walked with Jesus physically 2,000 years ago. They were men and women who started their relationship with God in very much a crowd-like sense. They were in crowds. They heard Jesus minister and speak to them. But each of them also experienced a moment where Jesus looked at them and said, don't just be crowd. Come out of the crowd. Come and follow me personally. And I will make you into a person and into things that you never believed possible with your life. Each of these men and women took that brave, bold step to step out of a crowd or a spectator kind of mode with Jesus to something more powerful. Now think of the consequences. What they experienced in personal life with Jesus day to day was a lot more than what the crowd experienced when they turned up for a moment to come and hear him. The things they must have heard as they walked from Jerusalem to Capernaum, the conversations that must have taken place in having a personal walk of being a follower of Jesus were far superior than the statements, the messages, the sermons you would have heard when you were in the crowd. The things they heard were at a deeper level than the things that Jesus shared with Joe Public. All the truth that he shared to the crowd was good and life-changing. But imagine what these disciples heard in the private conversations that they had with the Lord in their day-to-day life. And finally, I love this one. 
The crowd, you see, got to watch the miracles that Jesus did. But the disciples, they didn't just watch the miracles, they got to handle them. Remember that moment when Jesus is feeding the large amount of people and he turns to his disciples, those who had been walking with him, had left the crowd for something more life-changing in an experience of who he was. Suddenly Jesus turns and says, the miracles won't be done with my hands today, but today I'm going to use your hands to do the miracles that are needed. You see, disciples, learners, followers, those who have left the stands of watching, who stand on the racetrack of desiring something that's more than just being a spectator, a church attender, going to church once a week, listening to a nice message. People that desire something that's more life-shaping than that, that in their own way have left the crowd, stepped out of just being a part of um, a spectator-type moment to following him seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I believe the experiences of what Christianity is for these is far superior, life-changing and life-shaping. So I want to encourage you today as we continue to think about running and running our best lap. Let's make sure that we are moving, even if it's inch by inch, from that experience that we've termed being crowd to being a follower, a learner, and a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to choose the place of the athlete, the disciple of Jesus, over being a spectator, which we could also call just merely a church attender. Somebody who attends but doesn't partake. No, step out of the crowd. Oh, let's surrender our lives, submit them afresh to Jesus with statements that come from longings in our innermost being. Jesus, I want all that you've got for me. I don't want to experience you during the week. I want you to be in my week. I want you to be in every part of who I am. And I want my life to be bringing you the glory that you deserve. Hey, God bless you, and we'll see you all next week.